Hey, you're listening to The Dangers of Christian Rock. I'm Jaron. I'm Brett. I'm Colton. Get ready for another episode. We are back. We are back. Welcome <laughs> back to another episode of Dangers of Christian Rock. Uh, so excited to be uh, getting to talk about a really important band for myself. We're talking about Under Oath today. It's fun. It's a little bit complex. There are a lot of thoughts over, over the years in regards to this band and uh, excited to kind of dive into that. We have the boys just as always are here. It's it's uh, Brett talking. We have Jaron. We have Colton. Uh, Colton, I know he's he's kind of battling watching the Tennessee Titans right now. That's when we're recording this. Uh, while also recording this podcast, he's a, a master of uh, dual focus. So really impressed with that. <laughs> but I'm super stoked. We have a guest with us today, and I'm gonna just kind of like lay out a story as to like why we even got this route, like went this direction of asking this individual. And so uh, for years, I've been like traveling up to Philly to see Jaron, hanging out with him. And Jaron has awesome taste in music. That's one of the things I think he- uh, kind of you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think he really loves saying that. So I'll say it for him uh, so he doesn't have to, but he has great taste in music. And he has these just like uh, different types of Spotify playlists and we're driving around Philly. I think we're going to like Washington DC too. And uh, all of a sudden there was something that kind of caught my ear and I was like, who's this guy? And he was like, Oh, this is a uh, Mowgli the iceberg. And I think this was like 2018. I was like, Oh, okay. I think it was a uh, ride my own. And I was like, Oh, I, I like this. And then we were driving around and then something else caught my ear. And I was like, Oh, I, this is an under oath song. under oath it was Mowgli the iceberg and I was like oh shoot I need to start listening to Mowgli the iceberg and so this was like I said about three four years ago I started downloading his stuff when I was in student ministry was downloading the stuff we were cranking that in the student ministry building things like that so as we were kind of getting close to finally doing this under oath episode I was like it'd be kind of fun to throw a Hail Mary and see if Mowgli the iceberg would want to jump in because (laughs) you don't just decide to do reinventing your exit just for fun. You know, there there had to be, there had to be some sort of inspiration behind that, some sort of interest, some sort of connection to the band. So we were like, I have no connection to Mowgli the Iceberg. I'll just DM him in Instagram and see what the heck happens. And uh, dude's so kind to just hop in and, and kind of figure out schedules. I'm glad everything lined up. So we have our special guest today getting to talk about Under Oath is Mowgli the Iceberg. And so just want to kind of give you a space to introduce yourself to any listeners who, who might not know who you are, kind of your music. I know you're you're a rapper, but also a producer and you have your own stuff, but you also have uh, some other projects. So things like that. But also who are some of like your your influences in music on top of that? Yo, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a rapper and producer. Uh, a lot of people know me for like uh, blending hip-hop with like alternative music and uh kind of in the uh emo rap umbrella um but yeah man i mean rock music has been a huge part of like my personal story and my personal taste um i'm rocking the vintage 1998 pod shirt right now. oh my gosh yes Um, 
it says payable on death like three times um, yeah. that is dope <laughs> um but but yeah like i i think that growing up for me like i've always had like kind of a dueling interest between hip-hop and rock and it's like i'll go through months of like sometimes not listening to one and just being 100 percent consumed with the other um so around like 20 2017 2018 when like Lil Peep started like gaining momentum and like the whole genre of like emo rap started to bubble it was like wait a second it was like a light bulb went off for me and it was like because like I don't know people until somebody breaks a wall it can be really easy to like put yourself in these like creative boxes of like if you're a rapper you rap or maybe you sing on a hook and then you rap on the verses or whatever but over time you know it's like people like juice world and like little peep and like and your uh, all, all types of people like uh it just kind of started chiseling away at those walls to where it's like you can it it for me it was like a light bulb where it was just like oh you can kind of just do anything now and there, there's just no no more rules. So um, that song, that cover of Reinventing Your Exit that, that you found, that was kind of like, I had finished this, like basically this rap EP, but then I was like having this like creative breakthrough of like, why not sing like angsty pop punky vocals like over 808s? Oh, and why not just try to try to scream something? And uh, so, uh, yeah that cover was like an experiment and a lot of people really hated it um some people uh were really into it just off shock value alone (laughs) nothing else um but uh you know that that was almost like a for myself it was like a creative proof of concept in a way and I kind of took that and ran down that train um I, I don't know if you guys saw it but uh a lot of people, it, it kind of slid under the radar, but um, I actually did a song with Aaron Gillespie um, in 2020, and that that was like a big, like full circle moment because it was like from you know, we'll talk about this in more detail, but like I got introduced to Under Oath in like 2005, mm-hmm. so like listening to that music for so long and then covering his song, and then I, I got the opportunity to actually work on something brand new with him and that that was like a very cool like I said it slid under the radar for a lot of people but that's definitely one of like my highlights of like things I've ever made yeah I actually wanted to talk about that um like how that came to happen and how how you guys made that connection um it was uh something changed in you along the way sometimes I still wonder why that was a solid track man i really enjoyed it um how did that connection happen well so um i'll I'll try not to make it like deeper than it is i mean i live in nashville and i have a lot of friends that have like been involved and like kind of on the periphery of like under oath's career like like one of my tattoo artists used to be their manager um I had friends that did like lighting for them and stuff on the road and uh, other friends that were more in like 
that had like these kind of third layer connections to him from like um, his like CCM endeavors. So like he was kind of on the outskirts there and uh, you know, I was able to get a hold of his email back in like 2017 and I hit him and, uh, and I, because I, I remember at the time, um, I think I just cold emailed him and, uh, and yeah. I was like, you know, I would love to like, just work on something with you. Like, what would that look like? And like, he has like a feature feature rate. And I was like, I couldn't do it at the time. And really, like, I didn't have anything to present him. Like I, I was, I was kind of naive at the time. And like, I like just contacted him without like anything to present to him. And then like when he responded, I like psyched myself out because I was like, man, like I have to, I have to send him the craziest, most unique, authentic, you know, idea ever. And I just like basically psyched myself out of sending anything for like two years. Mm -hmm. um, and then like uh, a couple years down the road, I had saw him, I saw that he had, uh, posted about doing like some drum work and some producing when he was like home from tour um and then he told people to just email him and I already had his email so I was like well he's he, he he you know he has some time to work on some side projects so I just hit him up and then but this time before I hit him up I like went home and I made a whole track and like a whole hook with a blank verse um but by that time I was a, a little bit more comfortable in like that type of pocket and like I had plenty of stuff kind of on hand that like he could incorporate to. So uh, he likes the idea and uh, you know, we, we FaceTime a couple times and kind of got the pocket right. And that was that. Man, that's so cool. That's great. Uh, so and, and for context, yeah. that was like right before that was right before uh, the erase me album and like, um, band it together came came into the picture that's good just kind of the, the the timeline of things is super important with under oath for sure and just kind of hearing that so appreciate you sharing kind of the the peek behind the curtain i always think that's cool to hear those stories uh and just want to kind of go around and, and you kind of mentioned your introduction at least like the time uh of when you kind of got introduced to under oath i think you said 2005 but uh how did it hit you uh, I know I, I can't wait to talk about how it hit me back in like 2004, 2005. Yeah, man, this is going to hit such, this is going to tingle nostalgia so hard right now. Do you guys <laughs> remember, uh, do you guys remember the FYE stores? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So, you know, they had like everything where like, you know, you could you, you'd take the CDs and like scan them and listen to the 30 second snippets and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so it was like in the fall and there were, they had this like, uh, it was like this promotional, uh, giveaway DVD and it was called like Bat to School um, and it was like I think it was a collaboration from like a lot of like smaller labels at the time and like Tooth and Nail was one of them um, but basically it was like this DVD sampler that had like 20 different music videos on there and one of the music videos and it and it was like it was very it, it was a very, I think, I think it was like a free promo thing because a lot of the bands were actually Christian bands. So it was probably like low key, like, uh, like ev evangelical effort, but like, uh, thousand foot crush rock fist was on there. 
there was a, a demon hunter song that was on there and reinventing your exit was on there as well mm-hmm. but like sprinkled in they also had like yellow card and i think they had like a three days grace song and uh mxpx and uh what, what whatever bam margera's band the uh is that him with, like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rip off the wings of a butterfly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and what was the other thing Ben Mar- Marger was associated with? It was like the skateboarding mischief videos. It's like CYK. Oh, CKY, right. yeah. CKY, CKY, CKY yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Man. So it was like the sampler of all of that. And um, <laughs> and I remember when I first was watching the video on that, that DVD, like, I was just like, because th- if you remember the music video for Reinventing Your Exit. On a Sunday, feeling like we're gold, and we're nothing short of invincible. It's a kind of weird. Like, it's like mostly not the band. It's like this dude like chasing himself in and out of this bar and these rooftops yeah. and stuff. But then there's just like a couple of band shots where they're like playing on this stage and, but everybody's super goofy looking. Cause, and, and like, <laughs> so because like, that was, they were really early on like the whole scene thing because yep. like mm-hmm. new metal was still like the big thing, you know? So like we were used to like Lincoln Park and POD and like people in like Adidas, like track suits and like hip hop. But then mm-hmm. here yep. these guys were with like the super tight jeans, the tight little t-shirt and like the hair just like coming down into the neck yeah. and just like screaming. And it was just like, what is this? This is crazy. Yeah. Like, so that was like my very first introduction to them but like I didn't really take the deep dive until like into their discography until way later not until like uh like 2016 to be honest oh wow that's cool all right Colton follow that good luck I think think he might be frozen yeah I think he's watching the Titans game all right, I'll, I'll try and follow that. How about that? Um, so for me, it is uh, way less legit, um, but it also involved uh, a, a burned disc that a friend gave me, and it had uh, t- totally legit from LimeWire. I think we reference LimeWire all the time because we were in like junior high when this stuff came out. But uh, Just giving right your computer aids for free music. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Right. Dude, I'm telling my what is computer, the antivirus? That that is yeah. the whole reason the antivirus software existed because of LimeWire. That's it, man. <laughs> Freaking LimeWire, man. Uh yeah, no, it was a mess. But I, I remember I had like um you know, reinventing your exit was on there, a boy brush red, living in black and white. Those were the tracks that that hit uh so incredibly hard. Uh and, and again, this was like 2004, 2005, so pre- primo time for me where I was like creeping into high school uh early junior high things like that and as I was listening to those tracks I think the first episode that I was on for for dangers of Christian rock I said there were three times in my life where I heard something for the first time and I was like what is this I want more of this um and they're all very different for their own reasons one is pendulum that Australian drum and bass band (laughs) I was like what the heck is this? I don't know what this is, but I think I want more of it. Uh, 
I would say Demon Hunter because I was I was really like in the Reliant K world. For oh, some, that like, must have been a hardcore wake up then. Oh, I felt like I got punched in the face, but I was like, do I in like getting way. punched in the face? I might <laughs> like getting punched in the face. Were, sure. were your parents like super weird about like the the uh, whole aesthetic of Demon Hunter? A hundred percent. Like I, I found one, it was the, was it Summer of Darkness, whatever that album was of Demon Hunter. Uh, I found it at Half Price Books and I handed it to my dad and was like, this is a Christian band. Can I get it? And he looked at it and he was like, this is not a Christian band. Put it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but Demon Hunter for me, you either have like the sliver of like 15, 20% that they sound kind of like Creed, but the other time it's like getting punched in the face. It is like hard music. Um, but for me, Under Oath is that third band when I heard them for the first time because it's this blend of, I'll call it like calm and chaos between like the, the, the vocals and just kind of how they present their music. It's this calm and this chaos. And um, I think also like Mowgli, you kind of have that same blend too. And what you do is kind of this calm and this chaos because you'll go from something like distance that is so smooth and I'll listen to it whenever. And then you'll have like RIP headphones. And then I'm like, whoa. I just got punched in the face at 7.30 in the morning as I'm commuting to my office. Uh, you have that like great blend of that calm and the chaos that I think Under Oath so well rocks uh, just through like their discography. Um, and so those were like the three times in my life where I go, what is this? I want more of this. And Under Oath is on there. And I'm, I'm super stoked to be able to, like last episode, we talked about Reliant K. And now, then to me, they're like Mount Rushmore of Christian rock music of this time. And then I think Under Oath is also on the Mount Rushmore of Christian rock music. But I like to think of things like movies. And so I go, Reliant K reminds me a lot of like the MCU. Everyone can take something from it and everyone can kind of appreciate it. And you might love it. You might not. But everyone likes Sadie Hawkins dance. Uh, but for me, Under Oath is kind of like A24 films where it's like way more low key but when you find someone that likes A24 films, you're like, okay, we're going to be cool. That's how I've always felt with Under Oath. Right. Like, right. oh, you like Under Oath? All right, I like you already. I don't care anything else about you, but I think we're going to be cool. We're like seeing eye to eye with things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if, it's like that meme of like, liking the office is not a personality type. Like, of course you like <laughs> you're a human yeah, being. That's exactly right. Like, yeah. of course you like the office. But liking under oath legitimately is a personality type yeah you know what i'm saying I completely like completely agree feels like it. <laughs> it takes a certain person for sure i don't know how i'm gonna follow either one of those <laughs> i mean mine really is kind of similar uh uh to yours Mowgli. i i i first got introduced to uh under oath from a uh a dvd sampler uh similar to your story except this was in youth group and they would play them before uh, youth group would start and it was that video um, with uh, with that guy just chasing himself and it was just like the craziest thing I was like what is going on with this and why am I so in love with this sound because prior to that it really was like the the Reliant K's and like more of the not necessarily hokey but it just wasn't quite the same and uh, under oath really I mean for me at that time was like my whole perspective started to shift and then I ended up picking up a, uh, this is solid state. I think it was volume two or whatever sampler uh, disc, uh, from an HM magazine, uh, at the master's books and gifts. And 
man, what an album. Cause it was just a nice compilation of things like Emery and Under Oath and all these other bands. And it was just really set the tone for me and my, uh, my endeavors into the heavier and heavier music. Um, but that's Did really you have it for me. Idea that Under Oath was a Christian band. Um, not at first. I was like, I don't know why this 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 song is on this sampler disc before Youth Group. Uh, it really kind of like caught me by surprise. But then I was like, all right. And I started kind of going back and looking at some of the stuff. And I mean, that's that's post you know Dallas Taylor, um, you know, with Active Depression and Cries of the Past, um, and. I think Spencer kind of came in on, on the changing of times, but like that whole sound is completely different. Uh, and then going back and listening to some of that, that older stuff, I was like, man, okay, these guys have a come a long way. Uh, and their, their spirituality is not quite as in your face, but you can still pick up the bits and pieces of it uh, throughout some of the, some of the discography here. Well, um, on their first album, man, I mean, like some will seek forgiveness, others escape. That's like a CCM song. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, we talk about it, uh, with some other, some other artists where, you know, they, they are super ham-fisted about it and some will, some will be like real, real subtle with it and stuff. It's kind of interesting, uh, how some of these bands will, will handle that. Uh, but you're right, man. That's, that's straight up almost a CCM song. Colton, how'd you get introduced to Under Oath? And then we'll kind of kick it into uh blasting through top fives real quick and then we'll start yeah. talking discography yeah so i'm gonna throw jaren under the bus and say in spite of his good music tastes he never introduced me to your music until about two three weeks ago Ooh. enjoying it so far though i'm loving it <laughs> you know lines that of sin, said, right? no that's that's completely true you never told me about his music that being said <laughs> my apologies I, I feel like uh Jaren's and mine's music introductions a lot of times parallel, and this is another one of those where, yeah, is that sampler DVD at youth group. I do remember our youth pastor uh, cringing hard when it came on, like, and essentially saying, oh, yeah, we, we're not going to play this. And yeah, he still played it. I don't know if it was when you were the intern, Jaren, and you just kind of ignored the fact that him and then a lot of the elders and deacons would come down and like stick their head in like what is this screaming going on down here it would, that would happen a lot when under oath was on but yeah man, that 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 music video just sticks hard in my head you didn't know what they looked like because it was all just hair and you're right you know seeing the seeing the dudes like just, exactly uh, and you're like wait a second is the drummer singing Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, it was right. hard to tell. Yeah. It was Is so hard to tell. Like, it's just like, you don't <laughs> right here everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I thought that was pretty dope as soon as you realized that the drummer is singing. I'm like, wait, nobody does that. That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a different sound because I think before that even, you know, in the secular scene, I completely agree. A lot of new metal, a lot of the post-grunge type of stuff was getting big and... Um, you know, I think that was around the time that Creed did their infamous Dallas Cowboys, you know, Thanksgiving thing. And so that has to come up at least once a season. Sorry, guys. But that being said, you know, it, it was it's just fun. something new. It, it was it was enrapturing. And, you know, as soon as I got that CD, it was I, I probably destroyed that thing with how much I played it. I know I didn't, but surprised it survived. So it's still in my great. CD wallet somewhere. I, I, I think the unique thing 
I think the unique thing about under oath is like um, there's there's a, there's like the trope of like Christian musicians that like they're always like the copy of a mainstream whatever, but like and you know I know that you know they're they're in a different spot now, you know with what what they uh, they they co-sign and what they proclaim to believe and like you know how they present themselves, but especially at the time like. I think they might be the most influential Christian artist. Like maybe, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe ever in the sense of like, they were so early. I mean, like, it's like the total opposite. They they actually really kind of pioneered the post-hardcore type of sound that became so incredibly popular i mean basically that whole wave was so influential on culture it like it not only shifted where metal and rock music went but it also is kind of responsible for like i think the decline of rock music and how how hip-hop eventually took the stage because like it's like after after the metalcore and the and the hardcore really started catching on most bands either it's like we're confronted with like okay we either have to get heavier or we have to go super alternative and become like Coldplay you know so and for all the bands that went heavier it's like it, they they crossed out of like the Overton window of like top 40 it was like okay this is so heavy that this cannot be Lincoln Park popular. This can't be Three Days Grace popular. This can't be Breaking Benjamin popular. And so, so it's like, yeah, I think Under Oath is just like extremely underrated in how how much they impacted music in that way. Did you steal my notes list? Because that's <laughs> almost exactly what I had. Um, it's 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 really crazy to see how that kind of uh, went, and then. How even the the folks in these post hardcore bands, uh, I'm thinking like Fit for a King, um, and some of these other guys that have kind of shifted into this other sound, and it's very much of a, um, it's it's almost going into like this uh, like post grunge kind of sound in some of these things, but then these alternative sounds with the you know relying more on on drum tracks and beats than you know physical drums. Um, and getting some more electronic sound, I think is really, um, it is, it, oh man, those, that's my notes. <laughs> um, well, what's yeah. funny is now all of those bands that are still around are like kind of going back to like hard rock and like new metal and right. stuff like, like yeah. erase me was, had like a lot of, a lot of new metal and like even Spencer's singing started like, oh, that's like a, that's like a Chester Bennington type of tone yep. going on, you know? The pendulum exactly. swings for sure. Yeah, that's good. Should we hit All some right. top fives? Let's do a quick top five. Uh, Colton, you want to kick that one off? Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. This is going to seem a little boring because most of them are from they're only chasing safety. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's fair. It's whatever. It's all good. So top five, and I'm not giving any bonus tracks today. Uh, the Sun Still, Still Sleeps really love that album i think dallas taylor brought just kind of a cool edge to that band and i didn't get introduced to them until way later but love that track uh the boy brushed red 
outstanding track, um, not just because of the hidden lyrics in it, but also because it's just a good song. Uh, it's Dangerous Business, Walking Out Your Front Door. You know, you grow up in church, you're going to hear some Lord of the Rings illusions. It's got to be in your music too, right? So really, really quality song. Um, wait, 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 wait. What are you, Did you just imply that that song is a Lord of the Rings illusion? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, wasn't it Gandalf who said that? Oh, the title itself, the title yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not the, whole, not the whole song, just the title. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the whole song. And I was like, whoa. Oh, and I'm just whoa, like thinking bro. like Frodo like laying half dead on the slopes of Mordor. I'm yeah. like. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you circled back on that because I was about to. I was like, I want to know more about this. Let's oh, go. it's just the track name. Yeah, just okay. the track yeah. name. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm content with losing. Don't ask me why, but that song always stuck with me really, really heavy. And then writing on the walls from Define the Great Line. Um, Mm. Love writing on the walls. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, that's my top five. Boom. I'll hit, I'll hit mine real quick. Uh, I I really tried to be like cutesy with my list uh, and be like, Oh, I'm going to like grab this one or like maybe one of their like remixes or maybe like the res song that, that they worked on that I, I like quite a bit. You should check it out. Uh, but I ended up just kind of landing on, uh, define the great line as well as, uh, you know, just some of their older stuff. So number five, I went down, set, go number four in regards to myself, three moving for the sake of motion two reinventing your exit and one a boy brushed red that just those were the number one and number two are the two songs that i first heard of them and uh they've they've always been on a playlist of mine since the first time i heard it and i was like i can't not have those two on my top two mowgli did you have a top five yeah yeah so mine aren't going to be in any particular order um but uh okay so no particular order but there's a gem on lost in the sound of separation uh for me that's too bright to see too loud to hear um and then and then a lot of people it's funny because like that song got a huge separate second life because little peep uh sampled that on his hellboy mixtape so that song is like almost more popular than under like entire combined discography at this point mm-hmm. but uh like especially just how that's all tied in i really really love that song um then i would go a moment suspended in time uh I think the breakdown on that one is like one of the most vicious, crazy things I've ever heard. And oh my gosh. And then um, there could be nothing after this. And especially just the way those two tracks just go into each other. And then of course it's dangerous business walking out your front door and a boy brushed red, a boy brushed red living in black and white. And solid. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Cause I also put too bright to see, too loud to hear. Uh, that's my number four. Uh, my number five is a love so pure uh, from Active Depression. Uh, I've got vacant mm. mouth from uh, disambiguation, uh, reinventing your exit from they're only chasing safety, and in regards to myself uh, from define the great line, uh, rounding out number one. 
Uh, I do have uh, two bonus tracks. Uh, a, I never do bonus tracks, so this is this is fun yeah, for everyone. I, I'm always the one, so go for it. Um, from Punk Goes Acoustic, I think it's volume three, uh, A Boy Brushed Red. Uh, their acoustic version is, it's pretty sick. Um, Wait, what do you what do you think of the Aaron Gillespie solo um, Badlands version? I don't know that I saw that one yet. So if you go to Aaron Gillespie's personal or his like solo Spotify, okay, I think he has he has an acoustic of. Hold on, I have a Spotify right in front of me. So, um, yeah, he has the acoustic version of a boy breast red. like just a few years ago right it's 2016 yeah 2016 okay it's yeah. been a minute since i've listened to it i'd have to go back to it but i do remember this now wow interesting okay uh sorry and i got one more bonus track um from the uh the changing of times uh the title track the changing of times uh is, is a bonus track for me um all right we are just cooking along man this is this is great stuff uh we'll just jump into the the discography um we'll just kind of crank through each of the uh different albums uh if you've got anything that you want to add to it feel free uh i don't expect everyone to have thoughts on maybe some of the earlier stuff um but for me uh active depression and cries of the past were like really um really interesting i mean you've got that 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 was the era that aaron was gone right um i think aaron was there uh spencer wasn't part of it uh until that at that point it was uh dallas taylor doing uh vocals um wait wait so actually so wait at the depression and cries of the past are super early yeah, so, those were um, So did they just get re-released on Spotify? Because like, on yeah, Spotify, they released them late. Yeah. yeah. So Apple Music says the same thing, and I was like, this sounds way different. And then, are those actually? Is it the same recordings, or did they go back and redo it? I think they're the same recordings, uh, and you can tell like the quality shift. Um, if you go back and listen to them, you can see that they're not mixed super super well. Uh, it's not a really, a, I guess I would say it's not a real balanced mix um, where everything now seems more clean and more, uh, more well-produced, uh, but Active Depression uh, released uh, in 1999 and then uh, Innocent Stolen, I'm sorry, not Innocent Stolen, uh, Cries of the Past uh, was released in 2000. Uh, so this was really in there like more, it was almost like a, a death metal kind of fused with like a punk sound. Um, and I mean that, I think Dallas Taylor's voice at that time really lent well to it. I could see how going with, you know, Spencer and some of these, these newer, or I would say more recent albums lends more, uh, more credibility, I would say to like the post hardcore stuff. And then Dallas made his little segue into Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, um, which was a whole other band that I could spend another podcast talking about. Um, have you have like, you seen that YouTube video of uh it's like the early concert of reinventing Garrett? I think I, th I guess it's Dallas. It's, it's before they had Spencer and they're performing that song and they're super young. Oh, it yeah. sounds terrible. 
It, it's so bad. <laughs> it's really, it's really. So I haven't bad. seen this one. I have to look for it. Oh man, yeah, it's it's not good. It. I almost attribute it to the first time I saw Grits uh, play. Um, Grits played at uh, Faith Christian uh, in Clovis, New Mexico, and it was so so bad. And this was at the peak of their like popularity. Uh, it was just awful. So um, side side note, fun fact: the Grits album got stuck in my sister's car uh like in the early 2000s and that's all she could listen to uh, oh no was was this grits album isn't that crazy that used to just happen like something like if you (laughs) i remember my dad's uh suv his his cd player ate the beautiful letdown wow but we couldn't listen to it it just ruined it like it it was just like oh we just can't listen to music anymore it just ate the beautiful letdown and now (laughs) we can't get it out can't play it nothing's dead that's so sad. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, you, you could say it was a beautiful letdown. <laughs> hey. <laughs> a real act of depression, am I right? <laughs> We're thinking about I... it now. So is it a cry from of the past? Um, <laughs> all right. um yeah, I don't know if anybody else has thoughts on uh, active depression and cries of the past, but those were two just super solid albums, I think, from like just an early time. Um, as I've gotten into heavier and heavier music, I've gone back to those, uh, and have really enjoyed them because of that, uh, almost death, death metal, like sound, uh, that, that kind of goes throughout those albums. Um, yeah, their lyrics just in general on acts of depression are just so intense, you know? So in particular, innocent stolen, um, you could have told me that was written two years ago when like me too started and i buy it. it it makes sense just lyrics alone not necessarily the recording because again a little rougher sounding than their current stuff but yeah their their lyrics were just so so intense on that album it, it was it's kind of cool because i've never actually listened to that album before but hearing that i was like oh dang i need to pay attention to these lyrics they're uh, yeah they're at dense. that time and it was like i would say that that was when you know we mentioned you know, we say ham fisted a lot on this, this uh, podcast about, uh, about messages and stuff. But I mean, that's at the peak of, I think when they are upfront and really, really pushing hard on like specifically saying Jesus and uh, their faith, uh, you know, innocent stolen, you know, it, it's, they've got a line in there that says that this is for the uh, child molesters. This is for the people who rape uh, my God, powerful will will burn your bridges and Uh, i mean he's just like they're just going nuts on this and then you know at the end of um uh i can't even think of the name of this song now um at the end of one of the songs, he's, he says, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, I, I love you over and that's over a, and that's over. A, that's a, isn't that a, a love so pure? A love so pure. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. I could not think of the name off the top of my head, even though it's on my top five. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's when they were really at the, the I think their pinnacle of, of, of pushing Jesus. And then, like I said, they've kind of been a little more subtle with it and then some of it i mean even like when you get into later albums you know they've got was it a scandinavian uh 
speaking, somebody speaking Scandinavian and like reciting uh, one of the Psalms. Uh, so, I mean, they're definitely still in your face with it, but uh, I think it's a little more subtle. Uh, so moving well, I think into- there's, a, there's, there's a, there's like a macro conversation to be had with like how it all started and now like where they're at now too, because like, like erase me is pretty dark. <laughs> like it's very yeah. dark. I mean, like, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know him personally, but just from what, you know, I've heard him say publicly, I, like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Spencer is just like totally agnostic at this point. Um, and I know that, you know, I think, I think Aaron's in, in a complex like phase of deconstruction. Yep. Um, but I think that there's like something to be said about like the belief system and the culture that influenced some of like the earlier stuff that had that extreme zeal and some of it is like is kind of unsustainable like after you grow up and after you know it's like I, th- I think that there's like it tends to shift the pendulum really far in the opposite direction in terms of like it's like one, one it, it's like it, one, if the faith is built built on something that's unsustainable then eventually when a thread nicks on something it's like really easy to like unravel the whole thing yep. and you know i think that i mean that's just a a, a a trend that i see a lot and especially with like a lot of this type of music because like i think the people that are drawn to making the heavier music are like very in touch with their emotions very like introspective very deep thinking and, you know, a lot of people deal with mental health issues, depression issues and stuff. And like this music is like a cry of like, you know, like kind of that uh, internal chaos that, that comes from so much. And you can hear that and you can hear the internal conflict and chaos even also in their early stuff. I mean, like, oh, yeah. my goodness gracious, like it's dangerous business is a dark freaking song. But like you can kind of hear like some of like the conflict that is like stemming from kind of toxic even like theology in some of that stuff where it's like the the idea that like oh we screwed up sexually and this is like almost like that like purity culture critique of like i'm i'm just it's all done it's all done so now i'm going to drive you in my car off a cliff and we're all just gonna die because we're we're that far gone and it's literally that drastic so i think you can hear like just some of that conflict and and it, it doesn't surprise me where some of the content is now like looking back because it's like oh that was actually like a that was actually like a pretty unsustainable way of viewing that particular type of theology or, or, or whatever. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, it's spot on. And you hear that. I mean, even in uh, some of the other, like the, the more recent stuff, you know, he's, he's not just talking about the purity stuff. He's talking about, um, you know, his struggles with drug addiction and mm-hmm. wondering, you know, why God, you know, God saved him this past time. Why is God not saving him this time? And he's, he's wrestling with it. It's, it's, um, a, it's a, especially, yeah, with the race me, a lot of it is like a, yeah. like God, where have you gone? Yeah. Like, please speak to me. Like if you're there, just say something like yep. that's like the, I think the heart behind a lot of that album. And so like, you know, um, 
people people change people go through different seasons and stuff i i'm a big fan of honesty myself um i think i think in art there's always something to be gained from somebody that's actually being honest regardless of what they believe absolutely um, um and i know that they they've also been very especially aaron uh has been very disenfranchised with like a lot of like the christian music industry and stuff as well whereas like you know with, with, with where we're at so like with like indie tribe and like the state of things now we're like totally independent and we started out disenfranchised of like the christian music industry <laughs> like we knew what we were getting into but like like with under oath they got into it like people don't understand how big of a business christian music was when they were coming into it you know like christian rock was so big like people yeah. think of christian hip-hop as being big now nowhere near no bro no no christian rapper unless you include maybe nf or kanye west is as big as skillet has ever been or as pod has ever been or thousand foot crutch yep. you know like it was big 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 crazy business then and a lot of people uh there, there was a lot of junk behind the scenes and I, I think that definitely you know contributed to their all of their journeys and even like their their own sanity and health pushing through it you know um whereas I think a lot of people now yeah there <laughs> there was nothing to be disenfranchised with with the industry because like like we didn't see it the same to start with yeah. um so that's interesting that is interesting and I was I was telling Jaron and Colton that I, I kind of view Under Oath as kind of having like these three chapters and I'm excited that they're it, like the book's not done where it's almost like the pre-Spencer I kind of call it the apex mountain and then kind of like this deconstruction um, and, it, and you were saying like it's, it's like that pendulum swing so like the story's not done and they're still wrestling with stuff and um, you know and, and I was I was trying to do as much research on this because I wanted to be careful on this and not misspeak um, instead of just going like through a Wikipedia page and talking about music. And I was watching, I found a, a three minute video. I remember I watched it when it first came out uh, a few years back and it's called Under Oath's Three Thoughts on Christianity. Um, and like the third question, Spencer just straight up says like, the Christian community is what ruins Christianity for me. And he says, when you, when you need help, it's alienating, you know, and um, I, I work with, with churches all the time, you know, that's, that's, that's what I get to do. And I love getting to do it. And I, I come from the church world and I was a student pastor for a number of years. And um, man, I think so many times we can be the Pharisee more than, than Jesus. Um, and that's, that's a snippet from Spencer. We don't know the full story. Right. But um, yeah, I just think, yeah, and I think that's a lot of things that people, people like, we got to be careful, especially, I mean, like, I, I, there, there's like an element of like Christian culture and Christian music. And it's hard because it's like, really, the money in Christian music is like catering to this like tribal type of support of like the end group. Mm -hmm. Like, like, it's like, it's like you have all the evangelical culture that's like there, there's our cultural champion. And the harder that you can champion for that group, you know, the more conferences you're going to get booked, the more, the basically the more money you're, you're, you're going to make. So then like when somebody gets 
disinf like most of the time like and i know even in like christian hip-hop there's been like several people that have like kind of vocally quote unquote like left the faith uh in the last year and when you when you talk to a lot of these guys it's not so much that they're disenfranchised or it's not so much that they have lost belief in the gospel or jesus but like they lose gospel and like the church or they, they, they lose they, they lose faith in like the church like ecosystem or like everything surrounding it so so you know and, and that that sounds at least partially where like kind of like spencer and even aaron are at now where it's like they kind of see it's like wait a second like all this auxiliary stuff that this culture has put so much like weight on a lot of it's bs and a lot of it's hypocritical uh, um and the reason it's hypocritical is because it's falling short of jesus but that's that but that in like in itself yeah. that's like an acknowledgement of like i still believe jesus is this thing it's still this standard you know so like i think that that's a totally different thing than somebody just being like no, I never believed Jesus existed. Like it's all a sham, you know, or like people that like watch that Zeitgeist movie and it's like, oh, it's all Christianity is just made up and it's it's a way of to repackage Egyptian religion. You know, it's it, it these are very, very different things. And um I think it's the I think the Christian culture needs to do a better job of like when people get that, like and just encouraging them to dig into Jesus and through that deconstruction like reconstruct with like jesus as the foundation and like see where yeah. that actually leads you as opposed to when people see like this somebody deconstructing from their tribe a lot of a lot of people are just like peace we're done with you you're a false teacher you're going to hell and you're taking everybody with you like it's like what that just vindicates that opinion you know mm. yep well, it's interesting that you say that, that that's the current that people walk away. I don't know if y'all saw, um, what was his name? Fanatic from the Cross Movement came yep. out this week and basically stated he's not a Christian anymore. And I watched his video. It was like an hour long almost. And his reason was, I think what most Christians think is the reasons people walk away. Oh, well, you read a lot of books. You know, you went to cemetery, which I take exception to that as a seminary student, but hey, whatever. Um, and they, they assume, oh, you read too many liberal scholars and just couldn't handle it. And I mean, the dude, he, he had, you know, his reasons. I wouldn't agree with them, but I think that's what a lot of folks come at it and assume it's something like that. And, you know, kind of, I, I remember the video that you were talking about, Brett. And I think a lot of what I you know, remember hearing in their interviews and stuff is, you know, um, and just reading through interviews is, you know, I was dealing with addiction. I just felt kind of pushed aside. I think that is something that's underplayed. Yeah, your point about cultural champions, they're always looking for someone, but I don't think that's fair to put that on, you know, young musicians who are in their 20s who their job isn't to be a theological cultural champion. They're just they're making art and that it's kind of an unfair expectation to set. I get where it comes from, but yeah, now at this point I wouldn't be like, let's cancel these dudes because of that. Whereas mm -hmm. you put me back in 2004, 2005 and I'm hearing erase me I'm like these dudes 
they're so wrong. And I mean, it's a dark album, no doubt, but I'm not going to, man, at least I'm going to tell you my reasons why you're awful. That, that's just not going to be my stance. It's going to come from a different angle. Well, it's hard. It's, it's a hard line because, you know, we do want those, those cultural champions, but then it's so easy to latch onto a cultural scapegoat too. Um, you know, once somebody is doing something we don't necessarily agree with, it's really easy just to like cast that aside. Uh, that's, I mean, you know, we can get into, you know, church culture real heavily and, and find lots of examples. And I think recently, what was it? Mike Todd came under fire for like spitting and stuff and putting it in someone's eyes on like a, on his podcast or on like a little video recently. Uh, and you know, in a COVID, you know, worldview, like you would never do that. Like, why would you ever do that? And, uh, so now, you know, he's under fire for that. And it's like, everyone's looking for a scapegoat. Um, there's you not, see like some of that deconstruction with like, uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill. I don't know if y'all listened to that podcast at all. Yep. It, it blew up and it was like three, there's like third or fourth, uh, podcast in the world. That wow. Um, and it's just talking about like, uh, Mars Hill and everything that happened there with all the, the, the church plants. It's about it was third or fourth episodes. right behind dangers of Christian rock. Right. Yeah, Christian Rock was number two, I think. Yeah, uh, about to bump up to number one with Mowgli being on, but it, it did. But the that podcast was twelve episodes and talked about like again, like the rise and fall and it, and just kind of kind of the impact of that and some people kind of going through deconstruction. But they said, "Hey, this is where I am at at my journey. That doesn't mean this is where I'm going to be at the completion of my journey." Um, and so I, I think just being Jesus to people and meeting them where they are and hearing their hurt, I think, is wildly important. For the sake of time, uh, I'm going to try to get us back on track here and maybe just crank through this, uh, you know, discography real fast. Um, you know, I like the shift from active depression, cries of the past, and you've got changing of times. Uh, and that's where you're really starting to see that, that post-hardcore sound really take hold. Um, it's a definitive change from, uh, from those two albums uh, and I think a lot of that comes with the shift to solid state records, uh, really helping drive some of that direction, but they really dig in and um, that death metal feel and that sound is really shifting away. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the title track, the changing of times, then you've got the uh, uh, while the sun sleeps. You know, those are some of the more notable uh, tracks for me. And I think that they really set the tone for what's to come in uh, the next uh, the next album uh, in 2004 uh, with They're Only Chasing Safety. Um, did anybody want to kind of briefly talk about the changing of times? Or are we ready to move into They're Only Changing Safe Chasing Safety? Let's be honest, man. We all just want to talk about They're Only Chasing Safety. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. that's I will fair. say the changing of times, you could feel so... I noticed a big shift in the guitars, and I think that was the inclusion of their new guitars. I could tell it was a good prelude for their only chasing safety, and it was a nice launch into it. And hopefully, that's a good segue into their only chasing safety. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, the changing of times really was a changing of times, and now oh. you've got their only chasing safety, 
and mm-hmm. they are really just refining that post hardcore sound. Uh, I mean, that's where it went to the next level uh, for me. And I think at this point, many bands are starting to take notice and they're starting to pull a lot of influence from that. Um, you know, again, you know, I mentioned uh, guys like Fit for a King, uh, August Burns Red, you know, kind of coming under the scene around that time. It's a different sound, but I think they're all kind of sharing some similar influence. Um, I mean, it's just an insane album. It's I think one of those- they're only chasing safety. I think that's like a very like uh, archetypal creating album of like the good cop, bad cop vocal. Absolutely. Huge reason of like, you know, I think that that really like that is probably the biggest reason the whole po- post hardcore and later like emo wave like just took over so much is just having that clean, just absolute earworm of a hook contrasted with just like the extreme emotion, you know? It's 100% beautiful blend of calm and chaos that I was, I was trying to allude to earlier. And I, I actually got to see them live in 2016 when they like came back and they did from track one all the way through with their only chasing safety and then oh, define the great line. I would they have played, loved to be at that tour. They man. played both albums front and back and it was awesome. Caspian opened for them. Um, and the lead was a great the tour. lead the lead guy for Caspian looks like like a Nephilim. I'm I'm pretty sure he's nine <laughs> feet tall. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone else might have been four feet tall, but I was like, how tall is this dude? He was just shredding away and then under oath just tore it up for like an hour 45. It was incredible. Um, but no, I mean this this is the apex mountain for me. This is like this is it. This is what I go back to. I, I don't even know I, I go back to, I just stay with it essentially. I think this is one of the the rare albums of the bands that we talk about with dangers of Christian rock that it's not like I go back to it. It just stays with me. Um, because and I, the sound, I mean, the quality is like, it's still a reference, you yeah, know? And yeah. I, I think so, like, there's so many things that like people, people wonder, you know, with artists, like, you know, everybody ha- knows an artist that they're like, that like they released like something that was really, really, really good. And then like mm-hmm. nothing, maybe they released 10 albums after it and nothing seems to quite capture that. But like people, it's, it's like, it's a culmination of like everything landing in like a Goldilocks zone of just everything is just right. You know, so like in this instance, you know, I think that, you know, obviously the addition of Spencer was just right. This wasn't their first album. You know, these guys have been writing music. They're skilled players, but also... Yeah like so so they're they're approaching like kind of forging this non-linear songwriting that's like very common to some of the harder like death metal and like uh roots but then they're just injecting that pop side of it that adds so much versatility but then also on the business side you had the right producer at the same time you had the right mix engineer at the same time and then you had the backing of capital cmg who you know it was also happening in the right era when you know these christian rock bands were printing money for these record labels so you know they you you had the macro investment and then you had like the 
the willingness of those investors to really go big behind that band that you know culminated in like all those like those those promotional dvds that some of us like discovered and like at the time it was so hard to understand the scale of what was going on because you're like oh i just stumbled across this band on this thing and you didn't because we didn't have social media and like we didn't have a way to tell our own stories to each other we didn't realize that you were just one of like a million kids that was like part of this very deliberate like supply chain of a marketing system in this major label ecosystem you know mm-hmm. so like yeah it's just everything came together just perfect and i don't think you can ever capture it again you know maybe they can find another goldilocks zone that's different but yeah it's just it's lightning in a bottle when you have something like that i, I remember in 2005 i was going to driver's ed and that's back when you would like, you didn't have the online stuff. You had to go to the class and you were just with a bunch of random people, your same age. And there was this girl who strolled in with an under oath hoodie. It was the album cover from this album. And I talked with her, not a believer, but loved under oath. And that like blew my mind as a, as a 15 year old that it was like, oh, here's this band assembled of christians and you know their older stuff and you know very on the nose christ and nails in the hands and the you know and then it's like still spiritual undertones and stuff like that it within this but it had like bridged that like almost it felt like an impossible bridge to create to get over to the other side and there was this this 15 year old girl wearing an under oath hoodie that was not a believer but through the music was kind of wrestling with some things. Um, and like, I don't know who that person is. I, I never, I don't even know if I ever knew her name, but I remember having that conversation as a 15 year old and was just blown away that like under oath had kind of like bridged that gap. It was the perfect time for stuff like this too, uh, especially from a, a Christian worldview, because you know, you have these, these, uh, these festivals and these concerts kicking off and they were doing this almost cross pollination of secular and, and non-secular uh, uh, artists, you know, with, with guys like, uh, uh, bless the fall from autumn to ashes, Chiodo, Seosin, uh, scary kids, scaring kids. Like, you know, it's crazy, man. Like Christian core was like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. There was so many bands. It's, it's crazy. Um, and then you've got all these other bands that come in and they're, you know, they're playing around the same time, Silverstein and, uh, Greeley estates and, you know, Skylet Drive, like all these bands are doing something unique for the first time and you've got this cross pollination. So it's, you know, it's, it's a great, almost evangelical, uh, not evangelical, uh, great opportunity for evangelism. Um, but then you've got just this massive empire of, as you, you mentioned, you know, printing money for these, these, uh, these record labels because they're pulling in all these random people um, and it is super, super calculated. Um, well, speaking of calculated, I'm going to push us into define the great line. My number one thought on this album is, is that it really takes what happens with their only chasing safety and just, I think it really just polishes it up so nicely. Um, I feel like this is where Spencer really starts exploring more of his range uh, in the unclean vocals. You know, you see a lot more of the, the higher end on their chasing safety, but then in Define the Great Line, 
he's getting some of those deeper, deeper things that you kind of could see in, in the previous stuff from Dallas Taylor. Um, but then he's swinging just for reference. Yeah. I just, I just pulled this up on Wikipedia, both they're only chasing safety and define the great line are certified gold in the United States. I was going to say that. Yeah. Not it's, surprised at all. Yep. Yeah. Which I mean, like at the time, it was kind of like a commercial disappointment because like skillet I'm sure it was like going platinum. But when you think about like, this is a, like an intense niche of music, like, like yeah. define the great line is too heavy for radio at that time. Mm-hmm. Like every single song is too heavy for radio. Yep. Like, so the fact that it still went gold is kind of crazy. Went gold at a time when CDs were selling for like $20 kind of 100 percent. yeah no and and with define the great line uh it debuted number two on the the billboard 200 and that was the highest debut for a christian album since 1997 do you know what was that album in 1997 i'm gonna guess stephen curtis chapman that probably put me on that but i'm gonna guess stephen (laughs) do you know if like uh i don't think i don't remember under oath getting support and like stores like lifeway and stuff I don't think they were. Hmm. I think some of the mom and pop Christian stores would pull them in. Um, but I don't think it was frequent. I think I it was mostly a... outside of like the Christian ecosystem. Yeah. Could have been. I think you're right. Because they were, I remember for a time, like, like uh, Lifeway and stuff pulled POD um, mm-hmm. when they did like the second album uh, after, after satellite the payable and death album with like the the drawing of like yeah like that's why they banned it because yeah, it was like angel. the occult co- cover yeah. yep mm-hmm. you know so like i think i think there was like this this uh there was i think there was a lot of fear in like that that ccm like kind of industry about like the heavier types of music going on and i i i all all, the, all to say like i think most of the under oath support was like not from like the Christian bubble at that time. Yeah, I think this album's fantastic. I did want to circle back on one thing and I, I broke Jaron on this a long time ago, uh, but a boy brush red, there's a, <laughs> there's a line in here and it says, you know, in this moment that we are, that we both ignore the truth, right? And he like, the, the vocals like pop in, it's like in this moment, um, for years, and I, I still think this, it doesn't sound like in this moment to me, and I'm about to break you too, Mowgli, so I apologize. Uh, you'll now listen to this, and instead of hearing in this moment, you're going to hear Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin! Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, I know I'm not going to be able to unhear it. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, it's uh, outstanding. No, side note, side note, it's, it's never going to come out. But the same way I covered uh, reinventing your exit, I have a much better cover of uh, a boy breast red, and oh. like I was gonna I was gonna put it out, but then I was like, you know what? If I put out two under oath covers, I feel like that that like pigeonholes me, <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I just never put it out. But it's it's actually it's it's. You know what? Like, I, I'm gonna I'm make like a private SoundCloud link for you guys, and, I, and I'll, I I'll would, send it sometime. I would love awesome. to hear it. 
you're gonna have literally awesome. ten. You're gonna have tens of people asking for it after listening to this podcast. <laughs> so I mean, there, there's gonna be a lot of people uh, direct messaging you for this. But I'd love to hear that. Well, you know, okay, it's interesting actually. We, sorry, uh, when we were talking about that that cover, there was a time uh, when when your cover of that of that song was actually, uh, I would prefer that over the original. Uh, for a good period of time, I just thought the blend of all the different influences really took it to another level. Um, so that's that's my hot take uh, on that. Uh, as but- a, that is a blade. That is a white hot. That is a supernova <laughs> star hot take. That is a purple flame hot take. But I love it. <laughs> It's super it's 100% true, man. I, I can go back and like find texts of people that I was sending that to and saying, I almost prefer this 100% more than the original. Um, but it definitely had a lot more playtime than, than the original for a long time for me. So um, funny story, funny story about that cover. Funny story. Um, so when I was born, I had like, uh, I didn't know this but like I had a little hole in like my, my muscles next to my belly button. Like, um, and it's pretty common. Like they call it an umbilical hernia. So you have a, just a little hole and a lot of people don't realize it until like the hole just kind of gradually grows over time into your adult until, you know, a lot of times people lift something heavy and then like basically your guts just start falling out of this little hole in your abdominal wall. So for me, I had that little hole and uh, my extreme exertion that actually turned it into a full-blown hernia was screaming, recording that song. So quite literally, quite literally, I screamed my guts out and I had to get a hernia surgery after recording that song. And and your guts were preventing their exit. So metal. <laughs> um, for it's, it's almost worth it for the story, but the hospital bill set me back at the time. Oh gosh, that's amazing. That's so wild. Um, and just for our listeners, uh, going back and in trying to find these tracks, uh, that reinventing your exit cover was found on Sad People Make Dope Music. Um, what a fantastic EP! If I can just throw that out there, it's one of the thanks, man. One of the best. Um. But pushing it back into Under Oath, I know for the sake of time, we're we're pushing in a, a really long uh, episode here. So we're going to push past Define the Great Line unless anybody else kind of wants to throw in some stuff. It's great. You should listen to it. <laughs> it's great. Strong um, tracks. I'll <laughs> say that if anybody's new, though, they need to start with their only chasing safety because yeah. mm-hmm. that's like it's like a gateway drug because like truthfully define define the great line was too heavy for me for a long time it wasn't until i went further into heavy music that i kind of developed an ear for it and now i kind of like it better mm. i kind of like I it better say. until i listen to they're only chasing safety and i realize that that's an absolutely perfect album uh. <laughs> <laughs> yet they're only chasing safety was a really good gateway to it for sure but i definitely agree uh that define the great line i mean that I I think I've been to like three or four under oath shows. And then when they, like, I went to their last tour in 2013, uh, when they played in Dallas at, I think it was uh, house of blues, Uh, man, what an emotional, 
emotional time because I knew that under oath was kind of done. Um, but it wasn't again until that 2016, uh, that they came back and they did that whole thing with, with Caspian. Uh, I took one of my roommates that, um, had never a been to a concert B never listened to heavy music and C especially never listened to under oath. Uh, mm. I took my roommate, Joel, uh, to that. And he had a blast. He was like, I've never listened to heavy music before. This is incredible. Uh, so they're only chasing safety really is like a good uh, intro uh, class, like under oath 101, if you will. Um, but pushing into lost in the sound of separation. Um, this was a really influential album too. Uh, a lot of guys that I, that I taught Sunday school to uh, kind of were growing into under oath at this time, you know, they were seventh, eighth grade. Um, and one of the guys actually started a band called lost in separation uh, that was kind of named after this. Um, not necessarily, uh, I would say they're probably not a Christian band, but um, this album had so much influence on them. Um, and this is where you really see Spencer pushing even more into those heavier, deeper vocals, um, you know, and then the lyrics when he's starting to get really honest with the folks that are listening uh, about his struggles and his addiction. Um, but they're also still super like in your face with, with Christianity, with, you know, my hands are shaking again. Uh, I'm the desperate, you are the savior. Like if that doesn't say, you know, we love Jesus, you know, what does other than maybe some of the stuff from active depression with Jesus Christ, I need you. Gross. Um, on uh, too bright to hear, bro. Like, yes, we're forgetting it. We're forgetting our forget our we're forgetting our forgiveness. Like, dude, bro, so that's good. so hard. It is heavy, man. Um, but yeah, this is really when he's he's like, I'm pushing into it and I'm going to be honest about my addiction and trying to get clean and that struggle. Um, and so this is, I think this is kind of where Under Oath is, it, it might be where they're the most honest um, to this point, right? You can see in some of the other stuff that they're getting a little more honest with who they are and where they're at. Um, but Lost in the Sound of Separation was one of those albums that I didn't spend a lot of time with when it came out. It wasn't until a little while later that I went back and was like, why did I not spend more time with this? It's a super artsy album. This is, it's just very artsy. It's anti-commercial. Like, yes. Yeah, it, it reminds, like, I think that this album is like, uh, it's like their Radiohead album. Uh, and I would the definitely album agree cover that. is like a 10 out of 10, uh, in my opinion. The album cover is sick for this one. And just a couple of like my my favorite tracks, just uh, you know, breathing in a new mentality, I think out of the gate sets a really interesting tone for the album. Uh, and then Desperate Times, Desperate Measures, uh, Too Bright to See, Too Loud to Hear. Uh, this was the album that had, if we were going to do like, stretch it out to have a bunch of honorable mentions or do like a top 10 this has this album has like three or four tracks that would 
would be in like my six to 10 range that just but like, they're all like almost I, i'd say with the exception of too bright to see i think almost all of these songs kind of need to be heard in like a full album playthrough like they're not yeah, like yeah. a they're not like you just add it to your playlist song like like this is it's an artistic album it's a concept yep. album and everything is just better everything feeds off of each other when you listen to it in order mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a, like a Kendrick Lamar uh, with, with, yeah. with so this is there to pimp a butterfly. Oh, well to pimp Ooh, a butterfly too. Yeah. What a fantastic album. Um, yeah. It's very much one of those. And I think that that's, I don't know that I could say it any better. You've got to put it and listen to it all together. Are we ready for disambiguation? Let's I think we're ready. We'll take away the disambiguation and say yes. Um, so you know, I'm I'm gonna be real. I've never sat with disambiguation, and that's fair. Um, this is again one of those albums that I I hadn't really spent a lot of time with. Um, you know, it's one of those things coming back to it and kind of studying for this podcast that I really was like, okay, yes. Uh, you know, you've got Paper Long, which is just an insanely dark song. Um. You know, and he's talking about candle burning at both ends and emptier than we ever left. And like just all these things. And then Driftwood, you know, feeling like he's giving up. Um, and this is where he's kind of, I think, foreshadowing his his wrestle with faith in disambiguation. Um in the future albums, or where he's talking uh with erase me and voyeurs where kind of the faith element's not quite there anymore. Um, and then Vacant Mouth uh, is one of those tracks that made it to my top five. Um, and I was doing a little bit of research and some studying on some of these songs and, and Genius uh, kind of suggests that this song may be born out of some tension with Aaron and Spencer. Uh, and so you can hear some of the lyrics where he's talking about, I'm not going to let you do this to me and, and that kind of stuff in vacant mouth. Uh, so disambiguation is really one of those, I think it's a darker album. It's a big foreshadow of some of the stuff that may be coming uh, as far as uh, the wrestle with faith and then maybe not feeling like they believe anymore. And Aaron, Aaron is Aaron on that album at all? Not at all. I don't think yeah, he's on Spencer that album. Does, yeah. Spencer does all the cleans and, I thought it was actually, I don't, I didn't listen to this one a ton, but I remember first hearing it and somebody was like, oh yeah, Spencer's not on, or Aaron's not on the album. I'm like, oh, for real. I couldn't have guessed because Spencer mm-hmm. did so good on the cleans that I didn't skip a beat in my mind musically. It, yeah, it really musically outstanding album. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think, I think it just, it really changes like their composition because like, they couldn't write like the good cop bad cop thing because it's like you know like it will because it's just him it's like he can switch but he can't just like immediately layer himself you know if they ever want to do it live you know in yeah. the same way that they yeah. you know did on their only chasing safety and stuff no and yeah i think you feel that like missing element a little bit like with the recordings you can kind of uh, make up for some of those things but uh it's not that it's a bad album at all, but I, I think I, I also didn't spend a whole lot of time on it uh, just in this time piece. But 
Uh, Reversal, I think, is interesting. It has some very, like, Blade Runner 2049 sounds in the back. And I'm like, I'm, if, if you sound like Blade Runner, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. And then with the Deluxe Edition, they have three pretty interesting remixes at the back end. Um, the, yeah. the end division, the toxic Avenger remix, it starts with just the most distorted punch your face scream. And then it goes into like this EDM remix. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's kind of what sets them up to like work with res. I think that was in 2019. Um, and, and you can tell like they want to dip into that space a little bit. And I like that they're, they're exploring things. And that they're not just like, all right, this is the one lane we have to live in, but we'll do these remixes with the deluxe edition. And uh, if you haven't checked out those remixes, I think they're they're definitely worth checking out. Um, I actually think Indivision, that remix is probably my favorite track from the album. And that brings us to, unless anybody else has got additional thoughts on uh, disambiguation, that would bring us into uh, Erase Me. Uh, and with this move into Erase Me, we're on a new label. We're with Fearless now. Uh, prior to that, we were on Tooth and Nail for uh, three uh, three albums. And so Fearless, Erase Me, this is a definitive new era. Uh, this is for, this is the comeback album, really. It is. It really is, yeah. yeah. Um, this is a definitive new era uh, for Under Oath. And um, I will almost say, and this might be a little controversial, um, but I feel like they're pushing to be a little more palatable, maybe with, I hate to say it because it just feels gross, but like radio rock, like some of these songs I feel are- Except now it's playlist rock. It is playlist rock. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's it's very much, it feels a little more friendly for that. Um, But this album is really like, you know, as we, we talked about, you know, the, the video that, that Spencer and Aaron came out and we're kind of talking about the wrestling with faith and stuff. I think that this album is really showing like, you know, and to be, to be kind, uh, like a turn from faith, uh, maybe not necessarily losing faith, but kind of turning away, um, is interesting. Um, well, I mean, I think, I think the song I gave up <laughs> says a lot sure. about well, it. Fair. You know? Yeah. Um, um, this is where he's like yeah, saying like, that, dude, why am I this way? your grace won't help mm. is that that's the same the same track right i don't remember like okay. this it, you know it, it, it sucks because like uh it is a lot of albums like this for me but like this is like an album that like i just played in the car or something but what happens is like i'm not actually looking at the track names when i'm listening to it yep. so like like i forget which track is which yeah that's fair you know? but rapture and i hate it are like they're just they're hard rock songs yeah and and i mean like they went on tour with corn for this album um yeah, so like definitely, definitely more more palatable. But like, I also think that, and you see this with a lot of bands, like as they get older, like you, when you're touring and stuff, man, like you, it's a lot harder to do the same type of vocals, you yeah. know, like, 
and, and I think I think they were really influenced. I mean, they're friends with them and stuff. But to me, I hear a lot of "Bring Me the Horizon" in this album. And yeah. when bring, I mean, like yeah. bring me the horizon has done a lot to bring rock back into the conversation and into commercial success. And I, and it, you know, kind of, kind of, they opened up like uh, some of the institutional support of like the Spotify and Apple music supporting this type of music. So uh, it, it, it does feel to me like they, they're, they're like, okay, we, we need to do something different. And here's, something that's actually viable that we could get into and that also we can age a little bit more gracefully you know um as opposed to trying to do a define the great line type of tour yeah. you know yeah. no this remind this album reminded me a lot of post-human survival horror the like most recent album but bring me a the horizon and the mix like, style oh. it's like it, it, it's like it's a it's like the new style of it's like i call it like the digital crunch almost yes. just like yeah that's like the way the guitar is trying to sound um and 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 you'll notice Aaron, Aaron singing like is is different on this album like mm -hmm. uh um and to me like it, it it does it's I think it's similar to almost like what you hear with Jared Leto um mm -hmm. and, and I, I think it's just it's his, his voice is aging a little bit sure and he he has to sing some things differently maybe he's lost a little bit of top end range um but yeah it doesn't seem like his body is able to keep up with like the they're only chasing safety type of belts the same because even I, I saw them tour this album and he even even when they play the old songs he sings them different hmm. yeah it would make sense I mean it, it's really hard to keep that energy uh in that that range for so long um, it's vocal olympics it 100 is it reminds me of Remember that that Olympics game uh, back on the Nintendo? Uh, the original Nintendo was like the 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 Snoopy Olympics. I I don't know why I'm thinking I of that, but uh, I, I missed that one. I'll, there was I don't one. Know there was like a about thing. Snoopy Olympics, but I remember like, an Olympics game. It's fine. I'll it just like there's this thing where they're doing like the river vault, and you get to a point where you kind of hit and you're trying to cross the river and you don't quite make it and you slide down. Um, that's where I'm feeling like sometimes the vocals kind of get stuck mm. at a certain point. You can't quite make it into where it used to go. And um, that's, I mean, and that's not a shot at like, that's literally just like, not at all. Yeah. That's what happens to all the great. I mean, that's what happened. That's what was happening with Chester Bennington shortly before he died. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, Jared Leto, when he, if you look at like videos of him singing like the kill now, like, he doesn't sing it like he he sang in 2002 or whenever that that album came out you know um so so yeah as, as a fan it's like kind of like it's like ah oh, man but it, it just is what it is yep fun fact i saw 30 seconds to mars for seven dollars a few years back wow i was like all right seven dollars i'll go and you're exactly right it was like you kind of go into like oh, you, you hear the guitar or whatever. You're like, oh, here's the kill. And it's like, you can tell it like he wants to, but he also knows like his new normal, you know? And so he just kind of like lives in that space. Still a fun show, but it's like, it, it's like he's found that new normal and he's not like, I'm, I'm not going to hit this. I'm not going for here, but. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's straight it up much. dangerous. I mean, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if Spencer's had any of the issues, but I remember, um, 
after Bring Me the Horizon did their, I think, uh, their ammo album, um, uh, Ollie Sykes like tore his vocal cords pretty Oof. bad. Like he had a, he had a, he had uh, uh, some sort of rupture and like i mean that stuff takes you out of the game for like a while and when you're mm-hmm. when 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 you you have the entire band and everybody kind of relying on the touring to make the money and keep everybody's family fed you can't really take those types of risks the same way that you used to not at all totally yeah and that's something even i think about when i'm making music and stuff i'm like dude like i can i can pull this off in the studio but like do i want to can i do this sustainably for a show that's kind of that's a different question <laughs> yeah that's interesting yeah i hadn't really thought about that well, we'll close up erase me uh but we've got to acknowledge the elephant in the room this is like i said a definitive new era of under oath with this album on my teeth we see mm. the f word um and this is I mean, like I said, this is brand new for Under Oath. This is something that they haven't really done before. Um, there was a lot of, I think, a lot of uproar in the Christian community because they're like, well, Under Oath's supposed to be this Christian band. And then, you know, you can you be a Christian and cuss? And like, that's... And that was their first single too, the, with yeah. the music video and everything. Mm-hmm. So it was extra abrasive. It was super, super abrasive. Um, but in this in this track, it feels like, like I mentioned before, this is where... Spencer's kind of talking about like maybe God wasn't isn't there for him like he was before um and so completely new era of under oath leads us into 2022's uh voyeurist uh still on um fearless records and uh some some large names in other industry or other genres with with ghost main uh mm. being on a track um pretty interesting to see it yeah that's kind of huge a, yeah that's and, that's I mean, massive ghost man is like he's like the anti-christian <laughs> like he's he's basically yes. he's he's like gen z Marilyn manson basically mm-hmm. I, and i love his music i, I think I, he's an I incredible artist uh but yeah it's like it's like oh yeah under oath really <laughs> full side of the pendulum <laughs> yeah yeah it really it's, is it's swung I, I haven't spent as much time with this album uh, as I'd like to. Again, as we were preparing, like the album has just come out. Just came uh, out. So it I haven't got great. a lot. Of, it, it, hallelujah slaps. It's... Sonically, yeah. Sonically, this album sounds really good. I haven't spent a lot of time with it quite yet. Uh, I've got like one or two playthroughs on it. Um, seems like a See, really from good what album. I, I've only listened to it once, but I would definitely say it's heavier than Erase Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Great. And it's, I think maybe that that might be even a response to like the, oh, you know, radio rock. Oh, okay. Under Oath's a butt rock band now. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I honestly, I don't think that that's off the table uh, on the discussion. It, it really does push more into the, the heavier side again. And honestly, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what, what Under Oath is going to bring out next. Um, I would have liked to spend a little bit more time with this, but since we didn't have this album for very long, I, I don't have a lot of additional thoughts other than, you know, we see that um, they really push into this new era with more explicit tracks. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's really setting the tone for maybe what's to come. And 
who knows, maybe a, a re- I, I hate to say a redemption story, but maybe as they continue to wrestle with faith and wrestle with what faith looks like and whether or not God's there for him, uh, you know, and all that stuff, I think maybe we could see uh, an additional new era in the future from under oath as we've been man, talking about a pendulum. Dude, at, look at Kanye West, man. Mm-hmm. You have oh, yeah. no idea where somebody's story is going to end up. You know, we Absolutely. still have no idea where Kanye West's story is going to end <laughs> <That's> up. <true. laughs> All bets are off, but kind of changes from week to week, right? Yeah, th- th- these are these are human beings, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you know at the very least it seems like they're they're all good relationships with the guys in the band and i know that like different guys at the band are even in different different parts of their 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 own faith and stuff Mm -hmm. and like yeah you know but it seems like they have very good reconciliation and relationships with each other which you know is dude like keeping a group of guys together and on the same page and productive and excellent over that long of time i think that that always says something and um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they uh, keep creating. Oh, Absolutely. and are, are you guys, have you, have you, have you listened to Spirit Box? Spirit Box is fantastic. They're, they're going on tour with Spirit Box. I oh. have to go to the show. Where, where, where do you guys, where, what city do you guys live in? So I'm in like the greater Portland area now. Okay. I'm in Houston. Got you. They're definitely. I think. I think they definitely have a Houston date with Spirit Box. I'm. I think I'm trying to go to the Atlanta date. Um, but if you guys wanted to fly to Atlanta in March, I'd definitely go to under. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I'm down. Um. All right. Well. Uh. One. I appreciate your time, Mowgli. Thanks for joining us. Uh. I want to kind of land the plane and um talk a little bit more about you real quick, and then let you kind of promote some stuff. Number one, I have just one question, and I want to feel like I've got uh, kind of made this happen. Uh, a few, I think it's been a year or two, maybe, maybe two years. Uh, I think I commented on one of your posts or maybe one of Paul Russell's posts. Uh, Paul's one of those guys that I used to teach in Sunday school. And I was like, I need to see a collab with you and Paul. Is that ever going to happen? Uh, Cause that dude's majorly talented, talented and you're majorly talented. And I would love to see a collab somewhere on there. So I will say I love Paul. I, I've, I've, we've only met in person a couple times. Uh, John Keith, that's part of uh, Indie yeah. Tribe, and Paul are very, very close. They were on the same record label for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where – see, and this is the hard thing because I have a lot of really awesome friends in, like, Christian hip-hop, but especially with, like, someone like Paul, it's like finding an area where our creative Venn diagrams cross. Kind of matches, yep. Right, for me and him – that's a pretty small sliver of overlap of like what what could work so uh i'd say i'm i'd definitely be open to it uh i know that like indie tribe as a whole is just very we're we're very friendly to paul and uh you know it wouldn't surprise me if in the future you see paul um at our holy smoke festival um so so yeah i don't it's just like i just don't know what would make sense for us to do that would be both of us leaning into like our creative strong suits and actually making something that people would like want that's fair if it ever happens i want to take credit for that fair Um, enough (laughs) um but yeah i was actually going to talk about holy smoke that's coming up in may Mm -hmm. um indie tribe we can have some really cool stuff there um so 
here's the point where I'm going to hand it over like Sean on hot ones uh, and let you kind of look at this camera or this camera. I'm pointing at non-existent cameras, but talk about what's exciting to you. Uh, and we'll just give it over to you. So, man, I'll say that like 2021 was like a very transitional year to me. Um, we we relaunched Indie Tribe. We came out with the new Indie Tribe album. Um, and that's kind of all I had bandwidth for, because at the same time uh, in April, I got engaged uh, in October. I got married. Um, Congratulations, man. Uh, I, I, I went under contract building a house in March and like so i'm sitting in our new house but like between planning a wedding and getting married and all that stuff and doing all like holy smoke and like the indie tribe album i just really didn't have a whole lot of bandwidth for my own music because at this point it's like i only i don't want to like half do anything i really just want to like go really really hard with things so i've kind of been plotting kind of been scheming like that entire time for this year and it's kind of coming around the around the corner where i'm going to start leaning into music a lot i will say um a lot of people know me for the alternative side of me but to start off i'm gonna have to remind people that i'm a rapper and i'm just gonna rap a lot i'm, okay. I'm gonna rap a lot but then after, after I remind everybody that I'm not just like singing because I'm not confident at rap, like I'm, I'm, I'm a better rapper than I've ever been, I'm going to start getting really, really weird and really creative. So you're going to see, you're going to see like uh, new metal inspiration. You're going to see grunge. Uh, I, I have a couple, I have a couple different like niches that I, I can honestly say are like totally new sounds new soundscapes that like like different ways of blending rock and rap in ways that have not been done like different ways of blending 808s with like mm -hmm. uh drop b power chords in a way that's like very very new and very refreshing yeah. so uh i'm just excited to finally start releasing some new music and uh yeah that's that's what's coming that's awesome so to hear it i cannot wait um that's great well thanks so much for joining us um i think that Dude, this kinda... was a blast yeah so glad you thought so uh i had a good time i know everyone else had a good time uh it was that... neat it was neat uh, <laughs> with that uh just thank our gonna thank our listeners for for tuning in and uh catch us on the next episode if you made it to the end of this episode thank you so much for listening don't forget to follow us on all the social medias we would love to engage with you about uh, your thoughts on the band uh, what are some of your favorite tracks uh, love to connect